Hello, good afternoon, and welcome to Joy Newsroom with me, Carlos Caloni. Now, coming up, Finance Minister rallies Parliament to approve 2024 budget expeditiously as Parliament kicks start the post-budget workshop. Mr. Speaker, we are therefore calling on you to support us once again, like we have done in the past, to pass the proposed measures in the 2024 budget and on time. We have details. As President Akufuado says, Ghana needs $550 million to implement a 40-year energy trans transition framework to achieve zero carbon emission by 2060. Anticipated that some $550 billion United States dollars will have to be raised over the next 40 years. And former President John Dramani Mahama lashes out at government for its role in killing the local poultry industry to benefit financiers. Our poultry importers, that is why they are not interested in dealing with the problem. But we are not poultry importers. We have poultry farmers in the country at heart. We have details and more. Now into our very first story. Finance Minister Ken Ofreta is rallying the Speaker of Parliament and MPs to expeditiously approve the 2024 budget uh, he presented to the House last Wednesday. Now addressing the House at a post-budget workshop in Parliament, Ken Ofreta said these are crucial times and important for MPs to join hands with government to fix the economic challenges the country is facing. For greatness and our resources have been shared such that every strata of our society has benefited. So we do indeed give glory to the Lord, and in, at least in these circumstances, we can acknowledge that our GDP, Mr. Speaker, has moved from 219 billion to 1 trillion. That we can give glory to. Mr. Speaker, we are therefore calling on you to support us once again, like we have done in the past, to pass the proposed measures in the 2024 budget and on time. Mr. Speaker, there's a time and a season to tear and a time to mend. There's a time for war and a time for peace and a time to scatter and a time to gather. Mr. Speaker, this is a time to gather, this is a time to mend, and it's also a time for peace. Now, parliamentary correspondent Kweko Asante joins us from Parliament via Zoom for more on this particular story. Kweko, we do know that usually Parliament would have this kind of engagement outside Parliament, but remind us again, why are they having it this time in the House? Well, of course, the decision this year was to go to Rock City Hotel at Kweko in the eastern region of the country to have this post-budget workshop. But the NDC MPs raised concerns about the state of the economy in particular, the MP for Boeing, Kofi Ibi Adams, who was concerned that Parliament was not showing leadership. Mm. And if the government has said that the economy was in crisis, it did not make sense for Parliament to spend more than 2 million Ghana cities, as we heard, to go to Rock City Hotel in the eastern region and go and spend the largesse of the state uh, on a two-day post-budget workshop. So they insisted that this workshop is held here within the precincts of Parliament. 
The weekend came through. There was a lot of public backlash mm. uh, on the decision. And Monday morning, when the Speaker of Parliament took the seat in the House, they had to beat a U-turn. Beat a, 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 they had to backtrack immediately mm. and decide that this time around they were going to hold this post-budget workshop in Parliament, and it's currently underway here in Parliament. All right, but we know others are also speaking at this particular forum. What have they been saying to? So we've been hearing first from the minority leader, Dr. Kisanato Fossil, who is warning government against election year overspending. Mm. He says President Kufada and the MPP, in their attempt to break the aid, will go all out to spend so much money that government does not have in the 2024 election year just to try and move voters to vote for them. He says that will be disastrous for the economy because the economy is currently struggling. And if you are going to spend more than you have, you are going to deepen the country's budget deficit and this will plunge the country into further chaos. They are hopeful that in 2025, when the new president is sworn in, it will be an NDC president, mm. and they don't want the economy to be in an even deeper crisis for them to inherit. We've heard also from the majority leader, Seche Ben Sabonsu, who has shared some concerns about tax waivers and wants a national dialogue about how these tax waivers are given up. He's also asking the MPs to actually think about the people mm. when making decisions about this budget. And then finally, from the Speaker of Parliament, who's been saying that MPs need time, and this is a crucial budget, MPs will be afforded more time to deal with this issue. And an apparent response to the finance minister who had advocated for an expeditious approval of the budget. All right, but do we know when this particular workshop will actually come to a close? Well, the budget is a two-day uh, event, today and tomorrow. And as we speak, MPs are going to break out into sessions. They are currently still within the, the, the Chamber of Parliament. Mm. There's currently a roll call ongoing of the Speaker of Parliament ensuring that almost all MPs are present. So there's a roll call. They mention your name. You have to show that you are available. If you are not available, the Speaker says they will take action against you. And that is that. Tomorrow, Sunday as well, MPs will come. There will be experts who will come and brief MPs on the nitty gritties of the 2024 budget. The budget workshop is expected to close tomorrow. Mm. Monday, MPs will return to Parliament. And the debate on the budget... Will, will start on Tuesday. And so we believe that this will help uh, save some money for the state, I believe? De definitely. That is the concern of NDC MPs like Kofi Adam, Adams, who believe that if you hold this in Parliament, you, you, you save all the money you would have spent on hotels, among others. All right. Thank you so much. Uh, my colleague, Kweko Asante, he is our uh, parliamentary correspondent, giving us updates on what is actually happening in Parliament, and then we'll keep you posted on that particular development uh, in Parliament. Now, moving on, Chief Executive Officer of Daily Finance, Kenneth Thompson, has taken a swipe at the 2024 budget for what he describes as deceitful. Now, according to him, the budget statement failed to address the needs of the ordinary Ghanaian as well as businesses across the country. Meanwhile, Mr. Thompson entreated governments to address the challenges confronting various microeconomic indicators, grinding the economy to a halt. He spoke earlier on News File today. I felt cheated, used, and I thought that what Fred had done was immoral. And that is exactly how I feel about the Ghana government. I feel cheated, I feel used, and I find that what they have done is immoral. Think about it. The, bank, the, the government of Ghana came to uh, us and said that, you know, we're unable to pay our debts. So we're going to, um, there's going to be some debt exchange program where literally the money is gone. The money up there is gone. I have friends who are doing projects that they've had to cancel. 
And then the same, so, I mean, I'm suffering. I've got a friend, the one I'm talking about, his children have, she has had to change his children's school. He sold his house. And then I have a budget where all, all the budget is about, it's about the government and what they want to do. That's the same friend in business class. I feel cheated. I feel it's immoral. I feel used. What is it there? What is in there for the common man? What's in there for the watcher seller? What's there for the um, for the kinky seller? What's there for the mechanic? Meanwhile, cost of living is high, and there are no jobs. You know, economic prosperity is not about numbers. Economic prosperity is not about GDP. It's not about the size of your car, whether you're two trillion or four trillion. It's not whether you know you have uh, ten. No. Economic prosperity is about the value of the CD in your pocket. And as we sit now, the value of the CD in your pocket is gone. Meanwhile, the government has made no sacrifices. We have made all those sacrifices. Why a job for the boys? They're still doing job for the boys. Planting for food and jobs. It's failed. They're still putting money there. So what are we getting? Cost of living is high. Cost of doing business is high. Interest rates are high. Capitals, our capitals have been eroded through the currency, uh, uh, through the currency depreciation. So, what have we got out of it? Now, flag bearer of the NDC, John Mahama, says the previous government policy to reduce poultry importation was abandoned to benefit financiers of the new patriotic party. Now, the former president has assured adequate measures will be made to enhance the consumption of locally produced poultry. He was responding to concerns of local, uh, local poultry farmers in Wenchi in the first series of a town hall meeting ahead of the 2024 elections. My colleague, Nana Yaojima, is on a tour with the former president and filed this report. The town hall meetings are central to the building Ghana tour across the country. Concerns raised by various economic groupings and the electorate will be factored into the making of the manifesto that will respond to the needs of Ghanaians. Meeting economic groupings at Wenchi, the Poultry Farmers Association bemoaned the excessive importation of poultry which is negatively affecting the local industry. At least. $2 billion is sunk into importation of five food items, including poultry annually. According to John Mahama, a policy that ensured poultry importers sourced a quota of supply from the local industry ensured improvement. Some financiers of the NPP are poultry importers. That is why they are not interested in dealing with the problem. But we are not poultry importers. We have poultry farmers in the country at heart. If God willing the NDC returns to power, we will sit with the farmers and strategize to grow the industry. In a response to issues of licensure exams for graduates from teacher training colleges, the former president assured his government will scrap the policy when voted into power. He believes that training colleges should rather be strengthened to deliver quality training for students. training college four years. No exam. 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 A drew fourth year, no more final exam, no more passing.
ranked as a mission after every semester and the final exam after the four years study. After passing all these, they are teachers. Why demand another examination from them? We will scrap it. When we come in power, we will rather improve the standards of training colleges. College of Education, or teacher The John Mahama campaign is focused on restoration of hope among the Ghanaian youth, urging them to vote for him to serve a second term. So the flag bearer of the National Democratic Congress is wrapping up the first day of his tour at Fatanta in the Breku West District. Presently, he's in a meeting with the traditional authority. And the people here are excited about his candidature. It looks like they are ready to vote him come December 2024. For Joy News, Nanai Aljima, Bunu Region. Still on former President John Mahama's campaign, the flag bearer of the NDC has bemoaned the need to halt the youth from embarking on perilous journey to Europe through the desert and Mediterranean Sea. He attributes such actions to the deteriorating economy of the country. The former president was speaking at the 50th anniversary celebration of the Catholic Diocese of Sunyang. Many of our young people are expressing their disappointment by risking their lives in a dangerous journey over the Sahara Desert and across the Mediterranean in their quest to reach the shores of Europe. We can't allow this to continue. We can reverse this by growing our economy and creating more jobs for our young people. And I dare say this is a very urgent call. In this land of opportunity, there is very much we can do. There is much we can do even now to turn things around. And I am heartened that my recent suggestion of operating a 24-hour economy in Ghana has been heard by the finance minister. As he mentioned in his recent budget statements, in the form of what he called the ninth economy. However, my idea of a 24-hour economy goes beyond just a ninth economy, which is to boost tourism, as explained by the Honorable Ken Oforiata. I envision a 24-hour economy where hospitality facilities, filling stations, manufacturers, construction companies, garbage collection companies, mining and extractive industries, agro-processing industries, harbors and ports, financial services, digital startups, and BPOs will operate preferably a three-shift system 24-7 in an atmosphere of safety and security. Heightened security needed for a 24-hour economy will also provide for safer cities and thereby, in effect, boost tourism. This 24-hour economy initiative I propose will be voluntary. It will not be imposed. Businesses will be encouraged to sign up 
with tax incentives provided for them and enhanced security and lower electricity tariffs after peak hours. Special meters will be employed to provide what is known as time of use tariff to deliver cheaper power to such businesses during especially the hours of 10 a.m. and 6 a.m. The 24-hour economy I propose is for jobs, jobs, and more jobs. And to render it simply, Ejumano Kofibeyebi, Na Salifonsoyebi, Na Enyunam Ayebi, Na Kote Onso Ayeniakano. Let me thank the church for giving the nation a wake-up call to reflect not only on the church but the country and the deteriorating quality of our governance. While as a country we recognize the clear separation between church and state, the church remains a key holder in our nation's development. Our society's moral compass is shifts. And now a special motorcycle weather report from Progressive. Well, today you can expect lots of cloud cover with 0% chance of raining on your parade because you'll be riding your motorcycle vroom vroom. That rumbling low-pressure system beneath you should give way to a relaxing commute and a sudden urge to take the scenic route everywhere you go because, dang nabbit, you're having fun out there. That's your forecast. Back to you. This has been a special motorcycle weather report from Progressive, where every day's a beautiful day to ride with coverage from America's number one motorcycle insurer. Get a quote today and see what you could save. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Significantly by the church its teachings, values, and dedication to social justice are central to my own ideological beliefs. And these have inspired countless individuals across the generations. The theme fostering the growth of the Catholic Church in Ghana through collaborative ministry is crucial for the church and the country. This is a time for self-introspection and for us to strive for improvement. Let us use this opportunity to do better. And I assure you, our Holy Fathers, we can do better. We are not helpless in the fight against corruption. Let us allow the anti-corruption institutions to do their work without fear or favor. Our 1992 Constitution has one of its fundamental principles as probity and accountability. Let us let this principle reflect in our governance. Let's hold people who hold public trust to account. And I pledge to do so myself, if given the opportunity by God and my fellow citizens. Ladies and gentlemen, I find the employment of the metaphor of the degenerative vineyard as shared by the prophet Isaiah appropriate to our present Ghanaian context. And I quote, when I expected sweet grapes, why did my vineyard give me bitter grapes? Now my colleague Nanaya Ojima, who is on a tour, joins us live. And uh, with, he is actually with the former president, uh, John Dramani Muhammad. So Nanaya, what else is the former president involved in today? I was asking, what else is the former president involved in today? 
He has, he has. He has switched. So today his tour to the Bono region will be concentrated within the capital of the Bono region, Sunyane to be precise. He will be working within the Sunyane West constituency. From this event or the event he is at presently, that is the 50th anniversary of the Sunyane Kalek Diocese, he will move straight to the Sunyane Traditional Authority led by the Queen Mother of Sunyane. Uh, of Sunyane, and he'll be there to have an engagement with the traditional authority. He will pay a courtesy call on the traditional authority, as he has always done um, in every community he visits. He, he goes straight to the traditional authority and engage them there. And from there, he'll be meeting stakeholders of the economic community. Um, these are organized groups which will include various artisans and people involved in different economic ventures and this have featured prominently in the tour to the region. He is here to listen to these people in community engagement or town hall engagement, listen to them, get their concerns and these concerns according to the NDC will feed into the next manifesto of the National Democratic Congress. So these are the activities that he will be involved in today. Yesterday he did similar things. Um, he also had two different town hall engagements. And featuring prominently in these um, town hall engagements are the plans of the party for agriculture. We know this area, the Sunyani, the Bono region, is, uh, um, uh, is predominantly an agric-based economy. The people are calling on him. When the NDC is voted back into power, the people expect policies that will help improve agriculture within the country. And his response to these concerns is that when the NDC is voted with him as leader and president of the country, he will ensure that various measures are adopted to improve agric in the country. And also, agric processing will be one of the important policies that he will implement in the country to ensure that um, the, there's food in the country, that food security is sustained and also um, help end the country some um, foreign exchange. So this is the day two of the Bono region tour by John Dramani Mahama and it's expected that by closing today's event, he meets some of the people within the economic community to engage them on various activities. All right, Daniel, we know the uh, former president has been making some statements across the places he has visited so far. Uh, I want to find out from you, uh, what uh, is the reception like? How are the people reacting to the messages that he's been preaching so far? Yesterday from the Sunyani airport through to the Wenchi area and proceeding to Tain constituency and ending or wrapping up the tour at Fetanta, the people are excited about his coming to the region and they've been putting their concerns before him. You know, this is one of the areas where the NDC, you know, is able to, to, to garner 
a lot of votes when it comes to the general election. So the people are very excited about his coming and they're expecting a lot from the next NDC government if they should win the election. Thank you so much uh, for joining us and we'll keep our eyes on the ground as our colleague is with the former president and we'll keep you posted about what uh, activities will be going on. Thank you so much. And let's move on from that story. President Akufado says Ghana needs $550 million to successfully implement the Ghana Energy Transition Plan. Now, delivering keynote address at the 2023 Ghana Energy Awards in Accra, President Akufuado noted that the framework was designed to help eliminate both domestic and industrial carbon emissions in 40 years. My colleague James Avergi has more in the following report. The Ghana Energy Transition and Investment Plan was formulated to help Ghana achieve a zero-net energy-related carbon emissions by 2060 in line with the Paris Agreement on Climate Change targeted at keeping global temperatures to a minimum of 1.5 degrees Celsius by 2030. Now speaking on this year's theme for the 2023 Energy Awards, Ghana's Energy Transition Framework sector institutions as a building block for the 2030-2040 target. The president first explained how the framework is expected to function. The framework outlines how we will implement low carbon solutions in major sectors of our economy, such as oil and gas, industry, transportation, cooking, agriculture, and power. It also highlights the essential investment, regulatory initiatives, institutional arrangements and capacity building requirements needed to facilitate this shift. It is a flexible and dynamic tool that will be updated and modified as we learn from our implementation experience and as new technologies and possibilities emerge. He said Ghana would have to raise some $550 million over the 40-year period to achieve the goal of the framework. This national framework is ambitious, but it is attainable. It is anticipated that some $550 billion United States dollars will have to be raised over the next 40 years, equivalent to some 10% of our annual GDP. This may appear huge, but yet it is less than what would be spent if we carry on unconcerned. But how does Ghana look forward to raising this money to support this framework by delivering his address? Chairman of the Board of Directors for Liberia Electricity Corporation and special guest for the occasion, Moni Katan, Chad Ekowas to strongly negotiate for its share of the global carbon economy. The developed economies that account for most of the carbon emissions must share in the cost of the development of renewable energy in the developing world. This is not only fair and equitable, but more importantly, it benefits the entire world and not only our developing economies. Regional organizations such as ECOWAS must take the lead in negotiating with multilateral financial institutions to increase the resource envelope for renewable energy in our countries. Speaking to the media after the event, Managing Director of the Bulk Oil Supply and Transportation and winner of the Energy Personality of the Year Mill category, 
Edwin Provencal expressed concerns over the lack of war reserve for the country, calling for an introduction of a levy to address the situation. We have some inventory which some people try to call reserves. It will last about two to three weeks, but we don't pay for reserves. If we want reserves, then we need to have a, elevate the conversation and then make some money available through the levy, move it from zero to maybe five pesos or ten pesos or one city so that we can get the money and use it to buy reserves like an insurance for the country which is paid by the citizens of the country. Other big winners on the night include Ghana's first woman to lead an international oil and gas company, CEO of Pekan Energies, Khadija Amwa, who has been a judge energy personality of the year female category. Others are the managing director of ECG, Samuel Dubik Mahama, and Greco CEO, Dr. KB Asante, who have been a judge CEOs of the year power and petroleum sectors respectively. In all, the seventh edition of the Ghana Energy Award Ceremony honored 17 categories of persons and companies for their efforts, innovations and excellence in the energy sector. Reporting for Joy News, James Abeji, Labadi Beach Hotel, Accra. Moving on, Domahene Osajefo Ajimambedo II has expressed worry over the government's constant delay of payment to health service provider from the health insurance levy, blaming the situation on the money used for unintended purposes. Now, speaking at the annual conference of the Private Health Facilities Association of Ghana in Sunyai, Domahene warned he could see court interpretation on the use of the health insurance levy meant to offer effective health care for the people. Precious Semevo has more. The third annual general conference of the Private Health Facilities Association of Ghana, FAOG, in Sunyai, was on the theme addressing the human resource gap in the private health facilities towards achieving universal health coverage, the role of FAOG and the state. Dr. Samuel Kwame Boabin Frimpon, president of FAOG, in his address at the three-day conference, said the private facilities' contribution in complementing the government's efforts to achieve universal health coverage is exceptional. He wants the government to post health staff to private health facilities. To note that our associations crusade to get the government to balance the scale of staff distribution to ensure maximum efficiency in private health service provision has not yielded any of the desired outcome. The current situation is such that the private provider has no option than to deal with high staff turnover. Considering our questions for universal access to quality healthcare, I will want to once again make a passionate appeal to government to extend its kind gesture of hosting healthcare staff to private health facilities. We can always start from somewhere. That's my belief. Even if it has to be shared or possible with government. He also stressed the association's objection against co-payment. The private health facilities association of Ghana is strongly opposed to the practice of co-payment at health facilities and will wish that government addresses the root cause of the problem in order to eliminate it once and for all. There are
Domahini Osajifo said Yajimambedu II appreciated the government's policy to improve health care through Agenda 111 and urged successive governments to ensure the projects under the policy are completed. He, however, warned he could seek the court's interpretation over the usage of the National Health Insurance Levy. National Health Insurance tax. National Health Insurance. National Health Insurance Intimentria and Pharma Subio Private Providers. A Kobasa by Jiji Sikano, Nesika, I call or Kuba Vidia. Nay, you better than I call so. Mesa da Mesa Yam, Ghana Force, I the Infinity, Yang in a Yedi Moyao. A bedroom baby may sign a warning. Mako Court. Court, I'm a corner. Mikobisa Court is so. National Health Insurance. Ah, sabi yaji jemusi kadi akogumu. So, etim fa be baby. And sana be dia come and buy as a sembra kwanso. Bensaka, me be dey eh, be dey boy ho bra. E kobasa na bia nkasa ajemambadu menem pasem. Na mu mpese nhwe se akomudi ne be koso. Na ho so hwaduma na ho ye no, e ne hospital de ne nyina be koso. Precious Semevo Joy News. Sunyae now we just told dialysis machines the confanoche teaching hospital is often compelled to refer kidney patients in need of dialysis to private hospitals now chief executive of the hospital professor otria damens has said the crisis facing the 70 year old hospital has taken a toll on the effective delivery of services to such patients he says as part of the hill confanoche initiative launched by the asantehini the hospital will need external help to purchase enough dialysis machines to cater for patients. My colleague Nana Boachi Yadom has the rest of the story. The past weeks have witnessed a public outcry over the increase in the cost of dialysis, the regular medical treatment for persons with kidney failure in Ghana. Some public hospitals, including the Confanoche Teaching Hospital, lack enough dialysis machines to help treat kidney patients. Chief Executive of the Confanoche Teaching Hospital, Professor Ochri Ade Mensa, says some kidney patients are often referred to private health facilities for dialysis treatment. He addressed the press after receiving 200,000 Ghana cities from the MPP National Secretary and Organizer as part of the Hugh Confanoche Initiative. The issues to do with dialysis at Kolebu are not only peculiar to Kolebu. We have, a, we have similar experiences here, except that we probably haven't taken the step to increase the amount of monies we charge per session. You see, for a teaching hospital that serves 12 out of the 16 regions by way of referrals and receives on the average 1,000 patients OPD, naturally if you have only two dialysis machines working at fault, it's woefully inadequate. And so when you have these two machines not working at a time, and as chief executive officer of this teaching hospital, you have to make the call for patients who need dialysis to be sent to private facilities to have that dialysis done. It is not a call any chief executive is proud to make. But under the circumstances, that was what ought, ought to happen. While describing the situation as worrying, Professor Ade Mensa said the government, corporate institutions and individuals must contribute to help the hospital purchase enough dialysis machines. Well, I believe that essentially retooling of the hospital is a responsibility of government. But given the present exigencies, if it's our expectation that government will be bringing all the things we need at the same time, we would be kidding. The truth, however, is that 
But I believe that as citizens, we have a role to play. And therefore, I believe this Hill Confanochi project should be a wake-up call for all of us to donate our widow's might. If we all together put our shoulders to the wheel, I believe that we'll be able to place Confanochi where it ought to be. The time has come for philanthropic individuals, for corporate Ghana to do what they are able to do to support us to acquire some of these dialysis machines. Meanwhile, General Secretary of the MPP, Justin Frimpong-Kodia, has called on the public to also support the call to renovate the hospital. He says support for the initiative must be based on patriotism. It starts with the call from our great king that there is a project going on in Konfanochi that he is calling on his sons, daughters, grandchildren to heed to the call, which is referred to as heal confanoch. It don't need to be partisan on this because health does not matter whether you are NDC or MPP. You don't know when you will find yourself here. And I believe when you get here, the question will not be whether you are NDC or MPP. The doctors will attend to you. And as uh, the CEO indicated, uh, Honorable Mutaka, who is an NDC MP for Aswansi, has also come to make his own contribution. So we are calling on our brothers also from the other political parties uh, to also come and make their donation. Joe News, Nana Bwachidankwayadom, Kumase. Meanwhile, the call by Santa Hene for support to renovate a 70-year-old Confanoche teaching hospital is yielding results as individuals and corporate institutions continue to donate to the initiative. Head of the Public Affairs, Kwame Frempon, says the hospital is halfway through with its estimated $10 million from pledges and monies received. He spoke after some donors supported the project with 300,000 cities. There's more in the following report. With about 1,200 bed spaces, the Confanochi Teaching Hospital since its construction in 1955 has not seen any major renovation works, thus impacting adversely the quality of inpatient care. The main wards of the hospital have not been refurbished with portions of the building developing defects. Head of the Public Affairs Unit, Kwame Frempon, says the hospital has received pledges and donations putting them halfway through the estimated $10 million. He spoke to the press after OFI Ghana donated 300,000 cities to support the Hugh Convonochi initiative. Um, what we can tell you is that from the pledges and the cash donations that we have, we are about halfway through what we anticipated that uh, we are going to need to execute this project. Um, because already a block has been adopted by just small constructions for renovation, modernization. Fidelity has taken a floor. Isaac's Chinese has also taken a floor. And the donations that also came, we are almost halfway through. And so we are uh, hoping that definitely the target of 10 million cities uh, will be achieved in due course. Jonathan Quenu, Vice President and Procurement Head of OFI Ghana, admonished institutions to help donate funds to support the renovation project. What I will tell them is that since we are all operating in this area, and we come to, this is the, the main referral, like the prof said, if you go to Kondobu, Kondobu has the uh, other uh, teaching hospitals around that they can go to. If you, uh, this place, uh, 37 is there, you have the Ligon. But in Kumasi, it is only calf.
It's only confirmatory hospital that they can be referred to. So if you are working here, you must make uh, you must get ready. You must get a place ready for for emergencies. So it is very important that all hit to the call and come and donate generously. That we have done. That we have the renovation is expected to help prepare the hospital for emergencies. For Joy News, Kofi Asari's report. Now, the Bono is regional secretariat of the National Democratic Congress is accusing the ruling New Patriotic Party of abandoning major road projects in the region. Now, regional communications officer of the party, Suleiman Mohamed Mustafa, at a press briefing in Tichiman said the situation has led to increased armed robbery attacks, particularly in the eastern part of the region, and appealed to electorates to vote out the NPP in the 2024 general elections. My colleague, Anna Sabit, has more. It is the media edition of the NDC's Moment of Truth series, which the party says aims at exposing the abysmal performance of the Akufado Bormian government. The press briefing, which is the first of its kind and held at the Bono East Regional Secretariat of the National Democratic Congress and addressed by the Regional Communications Director, Suleiman Mohammed Mustafa, focused on what the party described as an absolute neglect of all road networks in the area. Before his excellency John Ramani Mahama and NDC left power in 2017, all key roads linking towns and villages in the region saw a facelift. Key roads like Jeman Kwanta to Nkranza, Kintampo Magazine to Krabonso, Asache to Busunya in the Nkranza North District, Chimaran to Fumai and others were either completed or over 90% complete. It is sad to note, however, that with the accession of Kintampo Tapesika to Prime Road, which we have noted the return of contractors to site a few months ago, the rest of the rules I can report have been left the way they were in 2017. Mohammed Mustafa expressed disappointments in the government for failing to complete the famous Atimubu Kwame Dansu Road which, according to him, was started by the NDC prior to the 2016 general elections. Since the MPP took over in 2017, after luring Ghanaians into voting for them, that stretch of the region from Atebubu through Pamedanso, Basa to Kajeji had only one thing that they consistently prayed for, and that is the road. Indeed, as I stated earlier, the road was awarded on contract and work had co commenced significantly from the post Kwame Danso stretch towards Kajiji. Sadly and disappointedly, work on the road has stalled since the MPP took over power. In the same vein, the inner roads within Kwame Danso is also in terrible state. The party says the deputy rules minister who doubles as a member of parliament for Pro West has failed the people of the area with the Pro West district and the performing in the district assembly league table. Do you know that the 2022 local government services appraisal Pro West came last and that is the coincidence of Honorable Stephen Jelula who doubles as the deputy road minister. So if we have a region with a deputy road minister and is underperforming in terms of road, meaning the, the appointment given him is a disappointment, it's a failure. They also believe that the terrible nature of the region's road network 
particularly in the eastern part of the region, has contributed to the rampant armed robbery cases in the area. As a result of poor rules, though we see security as imperative for Boni East as well as public safety for inhabitants of the Boni East region, it is on this note that we bemoan the rampant attack by armed robbers and committers of Atebu as well as prime Abbasi Road. Due to the bad nature of these roads, our robbers have taken these roads and this enclave to be a safe haven where they conduct their routine robbery attacks. They therefore want Ghanaians to vote out the NPP government in the 2024 general elections to ameliorate their hardships. And as a bit, joy news. You're still watching Join Newsroom with me, Carlos Caloni. We'll take a short break. We'll return with more. Stay with us. for an exhilarating experience at the main fair of the 2023 Ecobank Joy News Habitat Fair. Join us at the Accra International Conference Center from Thursday, November 23rd to Sunday, November 26th, 2023. Doors will be open from 8 a.m. to 6 p.m. each day to welcome you. This year, we are diving into the theme of home ownership, exploring the nuances between affordability, comfort, and luxury. Whether you're embarking on your home ownership journey or looking for upgrades, this fair is your destination for all things housing. Encounter a comprehensive assembly of stakeholders from Ghana's housing and construction sectors. Engage the experts across the spectrum of home creation and enhancement. The Ecobank Joy News Habitat Fair is in partnership with Ecobank, the Pan-African Bank, and powered by the Plant City Extension Project from Citizen Habitats. Rent to Own and sponsored by Elegant Homes and General Constructions Limited, where quality meets value. Global Lighting, your solution to quality lighting. Syntex Tank, Air Strong, Air Tough. Springfield Estates, where dreams are built. Virtual Security, complete security solution. DBS, your roof experts. Virtual InfoSec Africa, security solutions by design. Alphabet City. The ABC of Home Sweet Home, St. Gobain Weber, Jiprock, Prorock, Placo, Isover, making the world a better home. Clifton Homes, beautiful homes, wise investments. The Kissington Heights, Airport City, Kumasi, by HDG Homes Limited. Your favorite TV game show, Step Up, is back with another amazing season. This time, we are stepping up with Syntex Tank. Step Up with Syntex Tank. We'll see contestants answer questions of their choice and win over 6,000 Ghana CDs cash prize weekly and other products from our sponsors. This season, viewers at home should watch out for the Syntex Tank question of the week. Be the first to answer correctly via WhatsApp or send SMS to 050-833-8888 and win incredible prizes. The person who answers most of the weekly questions correctly and fastest gets a 65-inch Samsung TV at the end of the season. 
Step Up with Syntex Tan. Showing on Joy Prime every Sunday, 7.30 p.m. Sponsored by Bell Ice, MTN Momo, Angel Kona. Powered by Syntex Tan. Joy Prime, your ultimate experience. Welcome back. Let's now take you to the Upper West region where the vetting committee of the new Patriotic Party there has okayed all 20 parliamentary aspirants who have filed to contest for the December primaries. Now the party holds three out of 11 parliamentary seats in the Upper West region. With the exception of the Nadoli Kalio constituency where only one candidate filed, the rest of the seven constituencies had a total of 19 aspirants who have filed to contest the primaries. Join us, Upper West Regional Correspondent, report from the region. Nine new Patriotic Party parliamentary aspirants drawn from three orphan constituencies were the last to be vetted by the Regional Veteran Committee of the party, led by the party's regional chairman, S.B. Kangbere. Dadafima Bure is a constituency, had two old foes, local homes, for a second time. Three years ago, Dafima Bure is a district chief executive. Engineer Nadi Sanda pitched strength against four other aspirants, including lawyer Abdul Mujib Kale in the party's parliamentary primary. Engineer Nadi Sanda won the primary, but unable to win the seat for the party, which for over three decades has been the preserve of the National Democratic Congress (NDC). He is back for another primary that he thinks he has little to worry about. Yeah, oh no, I mean, you can see the people that have come here with me, accompanied me to come and do their vetting. Uh, 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 they are all uh, delegates. They themselves brought themselves here to accompany me to uh, do this vetting. So you have no fears about it? I have no fears. Just like, let me tell you what I am looking at is the main elections. And the main election, I can tell you, I am the Azuma of uh, politics and nobody beat me twice. Interpreneur lawyer Abu Mujib Kale, on the other hand, is breathing heavily on his neck and says the factors that militates against him in the last primary have changed and he's hopeful of winning the December 2 primary. I have noticed that the voice that I had in 2019 is different from the voice that I have now, at least. I mean, with all humility, in uh, the NPP circles, I don't know which office that I would go and begin to introduce myself from my constituency to the national level. Hitherto, that was not the case. So if I have all these factors changing in my favor, I think that uh, the dynamics have changed completely, and it's going to be the 2024 parliamentary primaries. It's a different ball game altogether. And I'm telling you, with all certainty, that the dynamics have changed in my favor. And I'm very optimistic coming out victorious in these elections. In the Sasala West constituency, 2020 parliamentary candidate of the party, Salif Unolowe, is being contested by the Sasala West District Chief Executive, Aisa Bottom Hall, former regional youth organizer of the party, 
John Bosco's Lurutier. I'm very competent. Of course, and I know the very problems that are confronting my people. At least born and bred in the Sisala land, I am no stranger to the litany of uh, problems that we face. The Sisala West constituency is one of few swing constituencies in the region, and Salaf Unolugwe thinks he has the honor's responsibility to win the seat back for the MPP. Of course, uh, unfortunately, I was not, I was the one who led the chart and we lost it to the NDC. I have a responsibility to claim it back. I have a personal and a collective responsibility to claim it back because if under your wash and care, something didn't go well, you don't fold your hands and say, I'm no longer interested. That's why I need to come back and retrieve it for my party. We get our weekly groceries delivered through Instacart because once football season starts, game time is family time. I can get everything my family needs for the week, from reliable staples to specialty ingredients, all delivered right to my door in as fast as one hour. So I can stay on my game without missing a minute of the game. Visit instacart.com or download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders. Offer valid for a limited time, minimum order $10, additional terms apply. Instacart, add life to cart. Our West constituency had four aspirants, and for that matter, the constituency that presented the largest number of aspirants among the eight orphan constituencies in the region. Wawa's district chief executive, Vida Dorote, is being challenged by a constituency second vice chairman, James Satre Kafrute, former Upper West Regions MPP communications director, Ali Bokare, and James Bobentandir, who is an nurse. Upper West Regions secretary of the MPP, Dr. Dauda Tonko, posited that now that the veteran of the 20 parliamentary aspirants in the region is over, the battle lines are now drawn for the December 2 primaries. Yes, for now, the betting committee has uh, asked all the aspirants to go about their, their campaigns unless something uh, comes up after this, between this and the 2nd of December. Uh, but if nothing comes up, then all the 20 stand the chance of becoming parliamentary candidate. Our chairman of the MPP, S.B. Kangbarea, admonished the aspirants to do a clean campaign that will be devoid of insults and rancor, warning that the party will sanction aspirants who cross the red line. Oh, of course if you cross the red line, sanctions will brought to bear on you. There are no two ways. If you cross the red line, you will have to answer for it. So, it's as simple as that. No sheltering anybody, no sweeping under the carpet of any misdeed. No, if we want to break the aid, we must come with a clean record. Reporting for the news, Rafik. Now, young technical and vocational education and trainees entreated to build resilience in their business to effectively manage change and find solutions to new challenges presented by the changing world. Now, young technical and vocational training students uh, are actually have been encouraged to do this in order to uh, also impact uh, their world. According to founder and chief executive officer of the DCG Group and Alio Africa, Jigbodi Kweko. So resilience is needed in business to recover critical functionality and thrive altered circumstances. 
Some 217 learners graduated after pursuing eight months of certificate programs in precision welding and fabrication, design innovation, and entrepreneurship. According to Jibodi Dosu, these young entrepreneurs should work on branding. The first group I want to speak to here is employers. For those to whom the graduates will come and look for work. The research now states that out of 100% that makes up corporate success, only 15% is attributed to what we call the IQ, that is our technical competency. Only 15% is attributed. Why is that? Because the human being is made up of certain skills. And let me give you practical examples. And I know a lot of you have sat in here, a lot of you here, hear it all the time. I sit on a lot of interviews, whether it's at the leadership level or at the entry level. And one thing I always hear when we finish and we are deliberating is, there's something missing. Um, I can't put my finger on it. There's something missing. They, they don't have something. We don't want to take care. We don't want to take it. Something is missing. And they don't put their finger on it. But if you look at people who have traveled to the West and come back, or people who come from other places and try and find out that something, why are they hired? That something is emotional intelligence which cannot be spoken. This is the fourth graduation ceremony for learners who have successfully completed their program at the Design and Technology Institute. So, Madam Jigbodi Kweku Dosu was actually speaking at the 2023 graduation ceremony of the Design and Technology Institute. That's all for the bulletin. You can log on to myjoyonline.com for more stories. My name is Carlos Kelodi. Thank you so much for watching. Have a great afternoon.